Hi, I'm Meredith Roden, and I'm the host of the Hatchet's weekly podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. I'm here with Student Life Editor Paige Morris to talk about a new event that the Student Association is hosting. Paige, what can you tell us? The new event is that Student Association is hosting three dinners in the Marvin Center throughout the month of April to get to know student organizations better. So they're um, providing pizza and it's just kind of an open forum for student organizations to voice their um, opinions, concerns, questions, anything that they want to talk to with SA members. Where did they get this idea? So this idea has been in the works for a while. So Sony Chattervedi, the SA Vice President for Student Activities, was kind of the leader of this event and she worked with Yannick Omicton, the SA's Chief of Cabinet. So they kind of had this idea in the works for a while, but it, it never happened until the end of the semester because they were waiting for the new e-boards to be selected. So most of the e-boards for the organizations are selected at this point. So they thought it would be a good idea to have it towards the end of the year. Chatter Vetti said that there's also been like kind of a disconnect between students and the essay, which was a topic of conversation during the essay election that just happened. I know that you said one of the events was last week. So how did that event turn out? About four student organizations were represented at the event. Around nine students attended that were not in the SA, and then about six or seven SA members were there to interact with the students, including SA President-elect S.J. Matthews, Sony Chattervedi, Yannick Omicton, and as well as some senators like George, George Glass. The incoming finance chair was there. What did the students say who came to the event? Um, so Mel Mangesha, the president of the Ethiopian Eritrean Student Association, attended the dinner on Thursday along with three other members of the organization. And she said that her group did not have much of a relationship with the SA um, in the past, but has begun to form that connection with the SA. And she said the group recently has felt very supported by the SA. She said that she just wanted to attend the event to get to know the new administration and how they plan to maintain support for her organization. And what were the other groups that were represented there? Gaurav Galankar, a member of the GW Parliamentary Debate Society, also attended the dinner with another member of the Debate Society. And he said that the event was really beneficial for maintaining relationships between the SA and student orgs. And he also mentioned that going to the event also gave him a framework into how the SA makes decisions and how like they perform their jobs kind of made him connect to them So S.J. Matthews is the president-elect for the Student Association. What were kind of her thoughts on this event? Matthews said that the dinners were kind of like the first step to improve what she said were not the strongest relationships with the SA and student organizations. And she said that the events just sort of encourage discussion. Student organizations are able to talk about issues that affect them specifically and voice that to the SA. She said that the events just basically show that the SA is listening to students right now. Well, thanks for talking to us about this, Paige. Thank you for having me, Meredith. I'm here with Metro Editor Leah DeGroat to talk about freshmen who would be moving into Fulbright Hall next semester. Leah, what's the story? Yeah, so the university has decided to house some freshmen in Fulbright Hall this year. Fulbright Hall is now a mixed residence hall, so there are about 150 freshmen already living there, but the dorm will be filled with 285 freshmen next year. And when you talk to university officials, what was kind of their thought process behind this decision? Yeah, so the university basically does an evaluation every year, deciding where they can best put students in terms of housing. So they decided to make Fulbright entirely freshman this year. 
And what goes into that housing evaluation? Did you get, like, any more details on that? Um, Like, why Fulbright is the best choice? I didn't get too many clear details, but it's clear that they have been reevaluating it every single year. How are officials preparing Fulbright for freshmen next year? Yeah, so over the past few years, they've been doing renovations to the air conditioning system. They've been adding new furniture and renovating the bathrooms. And over the summer, they'll be adding some more updated furniture to prepare for all of the freshmen coming in. And I know you also spoke to the president of the Residence Hall Association. What was that conversation like? Yeah, so she said that the Residence Hall Association is really excited to have all of these freshmen in Fulbright next year. She said that some of the concerns they had is that there's just not a lot of community space in Fulbright. And as freshmen coming into GW for the first time, it can be hard to make friends at first. So she said that the Residence Hall Association is going to be really apt to that and make sure that they are having events and planning things so that freshmen can get out of their room and meet each other. And as far as making this a permanent situation, do we know if this is going to be a more than one year Mm -hmm. stint for freshmen there? Yeah, so what Seth Weinshell, who's the assistant dean of housing at GW, said was that it will be a permanent change for the foreseeable future. Fulbright will be entirely freshmen. And so even when Thurston is renovated, freshmen are not going to go back? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like they're going to keep freshmen in Fulbright. Okay. Is there anything that the RHA president said that they're going to do for freshmen next year? Yeah, so one thing that's different about Fulbright compared to the other freshman dorms is that they all have their own in-unit kitchen. So Trinity Diaz said that the RHA will be holding some classes and making sure that they are reaching out to freshmen who might be struggling to meal prep or to know how to cook. And as far as pricing, are there any concerns about affordability for these new rooms? So what the Assistant Dean of Students, Seth Weinshell, said to me was that they are going to accommodate all of the rooms in Fulbright to accommodate four people. Um, Right now they house three people if you're an upperclassman and four people if you're a freshman. So they're going to make that change so that they're all four people rooms. And then he said they're going to adjust the pricing so that it's similar to the other housing costs uh, for freshman housing. Thanks for talking to us about this, Leah. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm here with academics editor Jared Gans to talk about a new library policy. Jared, what can you tell us? Last week, the GW Libraries announced that they're no longer going to charge students a fine for overdue library books that are less than 40 days overdue. This includes all general collection books, so any books that are not in the library's reserve system. When you talk to university officials, why did they decide to do this? Geneva Henry, who is the Dean of Libraries and Academic Innovation at GW, said that the move will help ease the financial burden on students when they're already paying so much just to be at GW. She said students will still have to pay overdue fines for books that are in high demand, but the library will be monitoring them to see if they can also remove the fines for those as well. So I know that the library has had some budgetary issues in the past, especially with the loss of the library gift, making it a voluntary opt-in system instead of a mandatory thing, and also the rising cost of subscriptions for research magazines and journals has also caused them to have budget issues. But how are they going to deal with this additional potential loss of revenue? Right, the library hopes to be able to rely on their donors as well as use philanthropy to cover any funding that they're going to lose by removing these fines. 
Can you give me an example of another university that's done this? William Bloom, who is the head of access services at the library at Tufts University, said Tufts Library removed all daily fines for most of their materials in 2017. He said fines should be about changing students' behavior of turning in books late. He said that turning in a book late is not a consequential problem if no one else is demanding them. So that is why he said Tufts still has fines for reserve books that are turned in late, but for any general collection book, there are no longer fines. Now that there's no late fee, how can libraries ensure that books are getting returned on time? Experts said the burden is now put on students to be responsible members of the community and make sure that they are holding up their end of the bargain when they check out a book that they will turn it in when it is due. Thanks for giving us the update, Jared. Thanks for having me. As we're approaching Earth Day, contributing culture editor Sydney Lee looked at some ways that you can celebrate sustainability around DC. Sydney, what did you find? Yeah, there's a lot of great ways that you can be sustainable on Earth Day and just every day. Um, the first thing that I found is that shopping at local farmers markets is really good because it reduces what we call food miles or the distance that imported food has to travel to get to grocery stores. So basically by going to any farmers markets, that is really good for the earth. Also looking into eating more sustainably, just like when you're going out for food, what did you kind of find there? I found this really great restaurant in DuPont Circle called Urbana, and they actually have a rooftop garden that they grow a lot of their produce from, so it goes straight from their garden to your dining table. They use this cool technology called the Biodigester, which converts your leftover food scraps into gray wastewater, and then it's transported through a drain system for treatment. Is this kind of more of a treat-yourself kind of restaurant, or is it more affordable? I would definitely say it's kind of in the middle. It's casual Italian dining. So they have some dishes for around like 12 to $14, but then they also have some higher end dishes for $28 or $32. If you don't want to get off campus, what are your options for celebrating Earth Day? They have a great Earth Day fair at GW, which is being hosted by Sustainable GW, um, which is one of our orgs. And it's just happening in Kogan Co Plaza from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And there's going to be a lot of different events you can do, one of them being a clothing swap. So you can bring in up to 10 items of gently used clothes or accessories and exchange them for other people's clothes. And then they also have their first annual sustainable cook-off, which is where you bring a sustainable cooked dish and then you portion it into little bite-sized samples and students will taste test and judge for the winner. Are there any examples of like dishes that are going to be available for that? Well, it really depends on what the students decide to cook, but a great way to cook sustainably is by using locally sourced produce, so like I said, from a farmer's market and stuff like that. Are there any other activities that students can do at the Earth Day Fair? The owner of Stitch with Style, which is a local sewing company, is going to be there to demonstrate to students how to upcycle your clothing and accessories, so she's going to be teaching how to do clothing repairs like missing buttons or fallen hems, and you can just walk up to the table and get some advice from her. What other activities would you recommend for Earth Day? The College of Agriculture, Urban Sustainability, and Environmental Science is collaborating with a group called Casey Trees to plant a bunch of trees on Earth Day itself. So you can volunteer to plant trees on the University of the District of Columbia's Van Ness campus, which is really close to GW. Thanks for giving us a preview of Earth Day, Sydney. Thank you. Thanks for joining us and getting to the bottom of it. 
Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Meredith Roten and features culture editors Sydney Lee and Molly Kaiser. This podcast is produced by assistant video editor Jacob Fulvag and podcast host Meredith Roten. Music is produced by Oak Studio. Special thanks to Jared Gans, Leah DeGroat, and Paige Morse for joining us.